Welcome to another episode of the Tages Tapes. I'm joined by Parav Mohanty. Uh, so give us a little bio of yourself, man. Hi, Tages. Um, great to see you today. Yeah, so I go to John P. Stevens High School. I'm a freshman there, same as Tages. I'm a member of FPLA, Future Business Leaders of America. So I have a passion for local business issues and macroeconomics. And today we're going to be talking about some of that in the pandemic. Yes, sir. And so we already obviously are in this pandemic right now. So how do you think this COVID, like this virus for us is good and bad? How would you say it's good for us though? Right. So in terms of the average rational consumer, the average citizen, there's not really anything good for the most of us. Aside from the stimulus check, whose objective isn't really to help us, it's more to stimulate the economy and try and like revive a dead body of an economy. There's not really anything good for the average American. The vast majority, there are certain businesses that are performing well, but most consumers are paying more than they used to for the same product, but are losing their jobs. So it's a difficult situation. And honestly, there's nothing really good for us. And you know how you said about the fact that consumers are paying more for the products right now, like that are on the market. Mm -hmm. It's probably because some consumers in the beginning were panic buying for no reason. And that's what like probably drove up the prices like hand sanitizers. There wasn't an actual reason to like, buy that many at once that's just right panic buying is definitely a part of the reason for which we're dealing with um high prices but a larger factor most would say is disruptions in supply chains so the way supply chains work are they're pre-established they've been running for a very long time oftentimes and if one part of the supply chain is disrupted that causes lots of difficulties and prices go up so one key example, like you said, with, for example, hand sanitizers is let's say that hand sanitizer is like produced and packaged at multiple different plants and uh, like all through the U.S. and multiple other countries, let's say. But then something goes wrong. There's a pan, like there's an outbreak in a in a factory and then that factory has to close down. So then it costs more money to go around, bypass that factory, do the work at another factory, and then it ends up costing the consumer more. Now, this doesn't even necessarily have to do with the pandemic. There can be supply chain disruptions for other reasons as well. And there have been. For example, if um, if you recall, there was um, an E. coli outbreak, e. coli outbreak yeah. with um, Chipotle was involved. Yeah, so what that. happened was Chipotle had to source their lettuce from other places, which meant that it ended up costing consumers a little bit more at the time, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it did. It was like a few cents extra, actually. But what I feel like because prices most likely in this scenario were only driven up because of consumers rather than distrib- uh, chains at this point, because if you really look at it, there was no re- like, you know, the guy on the news, he bought like 18,000 hand sanitizers. Uh, how much were hand sanitizers originally? Like $7. How much did he drive it up to? $80. See that type of thing, even though that's scummy, that's pro- that's what really drove up the prices because once people see that you're increasing prices, they will increase their prices too on the third party uh, platform and then drive up prices for everything. And that's no doubt, really a no lot doubt. of things. Pa- panic buying is a humongous factor for some of the prices we're seeing. But even with things that people aren't necessarily panic buying, their prices are still going up, right? Yeah. That's definite. And and here's also another fact, like the fact that people are buying more like panic buying, right? They're saying that they're this product is more important for them rather than those who need it. 
those who actually need these products, like who depend on it, like for example, gluten-free pizza or whatever, right? Let's say there's a person who really needs gluten-free pizza and you stock up on it. You're denying them the food. And thus, this is like, they're going to have to end up paying more anyways because they're going to have to find some way to like, they need to survive some way or, and then they're going to pay someone else for more money. Drives up price again. It's not, it's right. not a good so that cycle. comes down to a basic issue of ethics. Aside from prices going up as a result of panic buying, like I would just like to take this moment as an opportunity to say that it's, it is, it is innately wrong to panic buy things, especially if other people might need them more, especially in the early stages of this pandemic. If you recall, um, it was dangerous for senior citizens to go to grocery stores because yeah. they were so crowded and the shelves were practically empty by the time they got there. And there were serious issues for a volatile group like that. So it's, it's brought out the best and the worst in some of us. I mean, for some companies, it's really helped out. And especially if you look at those people, like now, at the, because people are staying home, obviously, they get more time. And as time comes, they're also thinking of new ideas now. And some, right, yeah. yeah, some business, like they're putting out these little businesses and now they're going to start blossoming if it works in this pandemic. So little businesses yeah. have a chance to actually grow under these big businesses now, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah, and like it's it's a good way for the people to now finally understand like they aren't actually just gonna be suppressed by a big business and get crushed over, under them because these big businesses obviously they have they're relying on different countries to uh, source them stuff. So like it's a good way for them like everyone to source things from their home instead. Yeah, for sure. But how do you think uh, COVID nineteen's helped? other companies instead like even right. big so, giants um, yeah so there's some companies that i want to talk about um here's the thing about consumers and companies right as we were coming into this decade and you know last couple of years as well we have most definitely been shifting towards an economy where online shopping is a huge thing so companies and stores that are already not only had online shopping infrastructure set up, but infrastructures that were thriving. There were a lot of people that were shopping from them via online. Those companies tend to be doing, are, are generally doing well right now. For example, Amazon completely online and they are thriving because people have the extra time and it's a necessity. People have no other choice than to get things from online because they fear for their own health. So companies like Amazon, companies like Walmart, and then if you look at food related, Companies like Uber Eats, DoorDash, Grubhub. Yeah, Instacart. and like in, you know, in, Instacart is going crazy at this point because when if when the pandemic initially first started and people had to self quarantine, Instacart like the slots for getting food itself were it, impossible to get, and right. Instacart yeah. probably profited insane off of that because they're already putting what like a five percent, five or ten percent like markdown on everything or markup or something, and yeah. they're taking the cash from you, and then on top of that, there's the taxes uh tips for the drivers there's so many different things yeah so going off of that there's um if you really want to look at which companies are doing well um you really have to think about how exact like the intricacies of how this pandemic is affecting the average person exactly how are they spending their day differently what else are they doing now that they maybe weren't doing even if it's very small for example um liquor and wine stores tend to be doing a little bit better right now partially because bars are closed 
partially because people have a little bit of extra time on their hands and they tend to be shifting towards those types of activities. Um, meal prep delivery, frozen food, canned and jar food. You know, in the beginning of 2020 and prior to that, there was a shift towards foods like um, Beyond Meat, you know, healthier foods, healthier trends. Yeah. And that's kind of gone in the garbage as people just look to stockpile foods that will last for a while. And just, you know, they don't really have the time or the capacity to care about health as much as they maybe did before. And then other little things, you know, fitness equipment, gardening and lawn care equipment, fitness, you know, gyms are closed. People are still trying to work out at home. You know what really? Gardening and lawn care equipment. Yeah. You know what really, what stock really surprised me the most when I saw it? It was Carvana. At first I was like, why is Carvana going up? But when you really think about it, public transport at this point is, if you go on public transport, you're kind of like inviting the pandemic to yourself now but carvana if you think about it is just yeah, yeah a car sure, market definitely. it's a car market you just get the car and you can drive it wherever you want and it's there's no other person who's with you that's possibly going to do anything wrong to uh, spread the virus so carvana is actually thriving off of this i believe yeah exactly and honestly it is predictable if, if it was a couple months ago and you thought to yourself, hey, let's say this type of pandemic was to happen. What, well, no one could predict the pandemic, but you could predict how our lives would be somewhat different, exactly how they would change, just sit down and figure that out. And you could make some informed decisions that way. And the fact that, uh, what do you call it, analysts before were saying that, of course, like the stock market was at a high time at this point. They're already saying that during 2021 or 22, it was going to come down somehow or some way. I feel like with the pandemic, I feel like it helped brought, bring it down, but it was on a much, it, it was a helpful way of bringing it down, even though when we look at it from like that time, it was probably one of the worst things. But it's not as bad as like the 2008 recession, where it's like we're down and we're staying down now. We're still making the Yeah, rise. well, I mean, that depends on the economic indicator you look at. If you look at things like... um unemployment rates we're looking at almost like great depression levels not even great, well, yeah. great depression so it depends on which economic indicator you're looking at but if you're looking at the stock market it's not as bad because of how much the government is doing yeah uh, they're stimulating the stock market they're they're inflating it heavily so it's not as bad as it could be from that element. yeah and uh, a few companies i well a few companies are trying to solve the unemployment rates i've heard that a few companies like ubs they were like we're not gonna we're not gonna lay anyone off for like the next three months and we're still gonna bring in workers which i thought was kind of weird because if you don't lay anyone off how, like that's gonna just be an influx of workers in this now new company so i just was kind yeah. of confused about that and so like we've seen few online businesses take advantage but how have they taken advantage of this like other than the fact that it's just online based what other markers are there that like help us show that they are taking more advantages of this pandemic so are you asking how technology companies are impacted by this yes and no like there's technology companies that are take it's obviously online right like everyone's doing everything from online but how other than the fact that it's just online is helping them out. Right. Well, a lot of companies are profiting off of the fact that everything is online. Like the platform we're on right now, Zoom, like they were not nearly as popular as they were before. And then other things like 
Okay, well, hardware manufacturing, not so much, but software, there is an increased demand. Workers that used to be working in traditional offices are now working from home. So they need software, they need security, um, you know, like um, software security. And uh, all of that is thriving right now as, you know, schools and workplaces move online. And IT services thriving as schools and workplaces move online. So in those ways, at least, like, like the shift towards the internet, you know, it's possible to profit off of that as well. Yeah, and what do you call it? a lot of companies are also well, as scummy as it sounds, they are driving up prices. So that's obviously going to bring them the profits that they need. Right. Ultimately, the, you can't necessarily expect them to not do that. But at the same time, there are companies that are making their resources more accessible um, out of a, an ethical concern. For example, the, the, once again, the very platform we're on right now, Zoom, a few months ago, it was not going to be free for the average person to come in and use but they yeah. opened up their products for everyone to use for free. I feel like this time is more what companies first envisioned for their uh, obviously product has now been changed a lot. And now they have to make a lot of things free because they want to oh, survive no and they need to survive during this time. Beyond and surviving, we are all living out history right now. COVID-19 will go down. Down as, yeah. So you don't want to be on the wrong side of history and be known as trying to profit off of consumers during this time i mean some companies do take that advantage but ultimately they're trying to do something to keep themselves surviving and most companies if you really look at it they just want to be on top it's not about right. it's not about how much they care about the com consumer sometimes they some ultimately they just want to be like apple like a trillion dollar company they really want to make their name out there but what are some companies that are screwed over, have been screwed over by this like pandemic? Right. So I think the general trend is that um, companies that were trying to have a mobile component or just weren't trying at all, or companies that tried and it wasn't going well with delivery and things like that, they're going to struggle because now they have no way of connecting to consumers. Companies that maybe were already on the decline to a certain extent for whatever reason, are not doing well right now because they were already not doing too well and this has just accelerated their decline i want to talk about under armor for a second um initially quarter one earnings were horrible um there was lot lots and lots of questions about their performance as a stock and as a company but um management changes occurred and their stock is doing better now but there still is a lot of uncertainty because um trends have been changing under armor is falling out of you know favor in their um key marketing groups so it's and, difficult for them to yeah. keep the same sales that they used to be and i want to talk a little bit more about under armor but here like when you talk about under armor it, as a company they aren't that popular when it comes to other companies like nike and adidas dominate exactly, that market exactly they can't, those are unless, nike and adidas yeah. were already choking under armor prior to this pandemic and this has just made it worse for them where they're dealing with nike and adidas and the pandemic at the same time and it's a lot for a company unless they bring some technology out for their users where fitness for the user has become much more better like nike they at one point they released like these shoes for track which brought like sp speeds were much they increased speeds by about like 10 percent or something like that yeah generally and, speaking consumers want to see innovation right now and besides from that if you're not aside from that if you're not innovating right now you're not going to survive and 
that that's uh, that's the whole point if you're not innovating if you're not trying new things taking risks as a company you're not going to survive because this is not business as usual it's it's a very difficult situation for companies and not all of them are going to make it out of this pandemic so they need to act fast and yeah make changes and i also want to talk about a few of these companies like some of these companies are based in china like they're manufacturing and stuff like that all right like understanding that man it's in china we already see some concerns over there apple had its big fall from it tesla had a fall from stuff but that was from before obviously amazon definitely fell because of that so how do you think like how do you think businesses can stay alive and afloat with some of their things in china of course right so um um, aside from ethics obviously which they should be still thinking about they should be thinking about their consumers because it's just innately the right thing to do there's a number of things they have to do firstly innovation you need to keep changing your products keep changing your ideas keep targeting your consumers in different ways because it's a necessity at this point Um, you need to change your plans your objectives your goals as a company because what you thought you were going to accomplish in 2020 in January is no longer going to happen. So if you don't shift your focus, you're bound for failure this year. Um, it's not even failure for this year. Your, it's not even failure for this year. As long as if people do, if companies do not adapt to their situation, they're bound to fail no matter what. That's oh, that's no, a recurring no doubt, no part doubt. of history. That that's always going to be part of history. Right. And going back to China. Right. Uh, I want to see companies diversify their supply chains because that's what's going to help them out right now. Um, if you are sourcing all of your products from one manufacturing plant or one factory and some sort of outbreak happens there, essentially, what is your company going to do now? You're in, entirely screwed over. So you need to come up with a diversified supply chains. So in the future, you, you, you can actually you know, deal with something like this. Um, you need to effectively shift online. A lot of companies that were struggling before, it's because they couldn't make the shift towards online e-commerce properly. They still continue to have a heavy emphasis and a big percentage of their sales coming from stores that you need to get online as a company in the 21st century. But there are some stores that rely on it, like mostly rely on it, but they are still afloat because of their online uh, status. Like if you talk about H&M, they do rely heavily on like their stores in a mall or anywhere but even as like they have online they have an online presence it didn't really affect them that much if you really right. think See, about the, it the question comes down to if you can take if you take that store presence away and all you leave them is online can they stay afloat and more importantly can they thrive because if they can't stay afloat and they can't thrive with just the internet then they've got problems and they need to shift away from um, the physical store, brick and mortar stores, and they need to shift towards e-commerce. And that's, that's just the 21st century. And I feel like, like additionally, I want to talk about, um, not like, so establishments like restaurants and bars that it's difficult for them to run social distancing, Pr- primarily bars where, um, a, a big, um, marketing point to get people into bars is going to be the, the proximity to other people and your opportunities to meet new people. And honestly, that comes down to innovation. You need to change your products and services and you need to bring in people for other reasons because it's going to be difficult. Even after all this pandemic is over and the government says, hey, you can go out, do whatever you want. People are still going to be very wary 
of going I out mean, and living life as they used to. I, I mean, I kind of disagree on that fact because if you really look at Michigan and cities like that, if you if you keep up with the news, they have protests on ending ending quarantine. Like as absurd that as that might sound, some people really don't want to stay in quarantine. And like when the country does come back and open up, everything's back to normal. People, some people will go right away. And I feel like, like what you said is a true point, but I don't feel like it's going to be as big of a problem than it should be. Like if you really right. understand so what I'm saying. There is, there is to a certain extent, a clear political divide here. Yeah. The Republicans want to go back and the Democrats don't. But these companies, especially some of the ones that weren't doing super well before, like, you know, some small businesses that were on the decline, okay, they need the full extent of their consumer base to come out and support them. And if only, if only the Republicans or only people that, that think they have strong immune systems or whatever it may be, if they're the only ones going up, then it doesn't make a difference. They still need to change in order to get, get um, sales from all sorts of people. And that brings me to my other point is as a company right now, you need to expand, you need to find new consumers. If you had a, like, just imagine like a store that simply sold prom dresses, right? What, what are they going to do now? Their biggest um, time to make sales was like right now. And it's essentially gone for them. Almost no one is going to them. So, however, if they were still selling a cl a clothing for other occasions, like, for example, weddings, although those are affected as, as well for a lot. Yeah. But if you, if you had, Casual if you had diversified consumers, then you can still survive. But if you had a very targeted niche of consumers, it's going to be difficult. So you, you want to uh, adapt. And, and you can yeah and companies that especially just focus on daily life of consumers like clothing nike adidas based fully on clothing and streetwear or whatever these companies are definitely going to profit like people stay at home but they still everyone needs clothing obviously and you need shoes they, these type of companies will profit of course but like uh, companies like tesla that's what I'm really confused about. Like, why do they go up during this time period? Even though when we know that, yeah, like. Right, well, that comes down to the innovation. Even if people aren't necessarily out there driving cars now, when it shot up, it shot up because they announced a new model of a car. Oh well, yeah, yeah. that was yeah. like way back. Exactly. So innovation will drive sales. Even like, if again, once if I'm not mistaken, Tesla sales are generally on like a pre-order basis when they announce a new model. Yeah, so and they have like, yeah. People don't expect to go out and drive their cars right now anyway. So that actually works on te in Tesla's favor because what they can do is they can reasonably expect that their consumers will just think that they'll be driving their cars in a few months as opposed to now. And in a few months, it'll be possible. And just one more point I want to bring up in terms of companies surviving this and learning from this and making sure that they're, businesses don't fail in the future, there's a second wave of some sort, is technology. Technology, technology, technology. I want to see them invest in technology. That is the only way they're going to survive. If their company cannot work without a brick and mortar store, then it's not going to survive in the 21st century. And it's certainly not going to survive with the second wave. You need to have e-commerce if, um, if you're selling products, if you're selling services, there needs to be some way or another of teleworking or some other, some other way of connecting with your consumers and making sales and continuing to stay alive as a company without physically meeting your clients. And that's gotta be a priority. And I feel like when you say that, right, 
even if someone, let's say, even if a company has online, uh, is, is online based, right? And they do that for like six months and we go back to normal. They still need to keep that online part growing. Like online from now on is going to be a big part of our generation, no matter what people, some people these days are lazy. Like we have Instacart, we have Grubhub. People do not want to get up anymore. They want yeah, think others about it. to Why were these companies them? alive before the quarantine? Because there is a market there. So companies should have, have the incentive now to try and infiltrate those types of markets because there's more consumers in those markets. Prior to this, who was shopping online for groceries? Uh, people that were shopping online for groceries could um, give up quality in order to shop online. And that means that only the people that were a little bit on the lazier side or really, really busy were going to be doing that. However, it's expanded greatly. And when the pandemic initially started, almost everyone was shopping online or taking great danger to go and shop in local stores. Yeah, so, and I, yeah, and even when the country does open back and we are allowed to go into stores and stuff, people will be very reluctant to go back. Like when we really think about it, as much as people do want this country to open up, they will be reluctant to go back because there is still a great danger of it to come back. It's not, it's not completely gone. We are still exposed to it no matter what happens at this point. Exactly. And honestly, I think it's here to stay because yes. they're not going to come up with the virus, but I mean, a vaccine for a while. I don't know exactly what that while is. No one does, but it's going to be a while before they come up with something. So this is something we're going to have to learn to deal with. And especially businesses, they have to adapt. And that, that, that's a really big thing. They have to change their their entire scenario, their entire plan, their operation to deal with COVID-19. And the fact that a lot of their consumers will never come back to their stores, they need to still connect with them. And I feel like after this pandemic, I feel like the rates of stores now being there in, in a mall or something will generally start to get lower and lower because of online shopping itself because even before the pandemic online shopping was a big part of our lives and now that we think about it like now even if we say oh online shopping has grown a lot it really hasn't because there was already a market there for online shoppers the quantity of people was of course it uh, increased by a lot but there it, it was already attached to big amounts of people if you know what i'm saying Right. And going off of that, I want, I want to go back to something we were discussing previously. Businesses that aren't doing well with this pandemic. So these are stores like Kohl's, Gap, Macy's, uh, JCPenney's, the, the classic you know, department stores and such that we're already having sales decline because, there are, because it's just easier for consumers to buy things online. And these stores would promote you to come into their stores. I feel like Macy's and Kohl's are already on a decline before the pandemic. This was like the seal. Accelerated the, the, the yeah, this was like, yeah, this, this was like the harbinger of their end, essentially. Yeah, this is literally survival of the fittest for businesses. If you are already towards the bottom of the pile, you're not going to make it out of this pandemic. But you I feel be at the top or climb there in order to survive. But I feel like when you say survival of the fittest, some companies will promote like unethical things. And as, as bad as that sounds and as unethical it is, some people will, these companies will continue doing that. There's just no escape from it at this point. Right. Yeah. Well, it's, if it's a matter of survival, I mean, what, what are you going to do as a company? It's, 
it's a very difficult situation. It's, it's a very difficult situation for some companies right now. Are they going to, um, like with family owned business, small businesses, should they fire the employee that's been working there for an extremely long time, like decades and decades, that's a close friend of the family? Or should they keep him and, you know, risk not being able to pay out their own mortgage? It's, yeah, it's, go on. It's a, yeah, so it's, it's, it's a big dilemma for a lot of companies right now. To do the ethical thing or do the unethical thing? And honestly, I, I don't know what they should do. It's a difficult thing. I mean, as bad as it sounds and as, uh, as horrible-minded I do sound like here in this state, um, they, as long as the unethical thing does not mean drive up the price to such an extent where the consumer is, has to pay it. Like, let's say hand sanitizer is what, retailed for three three dollars and then you drive it up to a hundred dollars they shouldn't make such a move like that like if you make it from like three to five dollars that's an okay thing like that's unethical but like that's something that can actually keep the company afloat and that's not that bad on a scale if you like really change it to a hundred dollars or something like that you know what i'm saying yeah yeah so it's all about priorities at this point yeah yeah and stocks at this point are a very big part of people's lives now when you really look at it because stocks do increase and that's also bringing them uh, profit and that's also part of their income stream now so how do you feel about like uh, stocks being part of daily life now well i mean i think they already were a big part of people's daily yeah, lives but like, but like normal people who just stayed uh who didn't not stay at home but like those who didn't really care for stocks who now invest into it how do you feel that affects them right well i mean i want to step take a step back and look at the phenomenon you're referring to. Are people that weren't necessarily involved in the stock market before more involved now? If anything, I would think that they would be, you know, more wary of things like the stock market because the stock market and getting involved in the stock market means investing in it. And unless you have that type of spare capital laying around, you're not going to do it. And with more and more people being unemployed, more and people, more and more people losing their steady streams of income, they're going to be worrying about how to put food on the table, how to pay rent and mortgage, how to pay their bills and taxes. And I don't think investing in the stock market is something that more people are doing. If anything, I would say less people are doing it. I think people are going to be pulling out and using those funds to help them stay afloat. I feel like some people, there's going to be some of those daredevils out there, of course, who will, because the stock, as the stock market does like drop prices and stuff, when it initially dropped, that was a perfect time to put your money into the stock market. Because of course, let's say the stock market does go down by 10%. At one point in time in this generation, it will come back to 10. It will go past 10% again. And right, but those daredevils a, who are ready for such a thing, they will take that risk. Right. But see, that's a dangerous thing to do as an investor to just assume that whatever goes down will come back up because it's not necessarily true. You might think, oh, this company is so low it will eventually come back to what it was and I'll pocket the difference and, uh, you know, make, make a nice investment this way. But it's, it can be smart if you're dealing with a really, really famous pre-established company, but then how much of a difference are you really making? I mean, it doesn't even matter about how established the company is. If you, as long as you have your research and you understand patterns, not even like you don't need to, well, actually you do need to go in depth. Well, but, no, see, Tejas, the investing strategy you're referring to where you attack a company that's not doing well and invest in them and hope that they will come back up. It's something that you really should be doing with smaller companies because only with larger companies can you trust things like their reputation 
and their history to uh, but there are companies different things but that also depends on the management of the company like if you look at lehman brothers look at how they fell they were one of the biggest and companies out there and then with a bad ceo it really took down things like right yeah sure yeah you're referring to one large company but what about the fact that 90 percent of startups fail are you investing in that 90%? No, 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 I'm not saying 90%. startups. I'm not saying startups. When I say like big established companies, I don't necessarily like don't, in, I, when I meant don't, uh, it's not always them. I didn't like really like mean that word for word. I meant like companies that whose reputations are well-established, right? That's what I, they already have well-established, but if they already have bad management under them, that's when you should give up on it. Like Kmart, they, probably one of the biggest things before Walmart, but with bad management, they did fall down again. Blockbusters, again, they rejected uh, Netflix. It's, it's part of management that plays into this now. So if with the right, if, if with extensive research on management and how the, the company patterns, I feel like it's more studied on management rather though. Right, but see, if we go back to what you were referring to, where you're saying with the average person or even daredevils, that were the average person are going to get into the stock market now? I would say no, that's not really true. I mean, once again, I want to talk about, you know, you know, families, people that are really struggling to keep their families afloat right now. Where are they going to find the time and the resources to deeply research a company and see if it's a good investment? Are they even thinking about investments right now? No, they're not trusting the economy or the stock market right now because of how much it plummeted in March and then how it drastically came back up. It's volatile. It's it's a scary place to be in a time right now. And it's not, I would not be surprised to see families pulling out their investments right now and just keeping whatever, just dealing with the losses and just, just not being involved with the stock market because it's a very scary place to be right now. Well, let, let's hope that no one pulls out stocks so quickly where like everything falls down because then things would take a very different turn. Yeah, that would, that would not be good. That would definitely not be good. It's, and if you look at stocks like Tesla, they're very volatile. Like, that, when they announced their new products, their stock went up from what? Like, it was $300, went up all the way to 900 and fell right back down to, what, 630 I think, in the next day? That would – I mean, I understand the concerns of some families. Right, that, see, looking yeah, back, I understand that. technically you can say, hey, you should have invested when it was at 300 and pulled out when it was at 900 but, but we how don't are you know going that. to know when it's at 300 it is so low you're going to think how could i put it in this what if it just goes all the way down and goes bankrupt and then when it's going towards 900 when it hits 900 how are you going to pull out then won't you just think hey it's going to keep going it's already gone up 600 these are things that you can only know when you're looking back at it hindsight is 2020 as they say this is very volatile so. but I mean, when I when referring to daredevils, obviously they have to have the research. You can't blindly put money because, at this point of time, money is life. As weird and as, con as contradicting as it sounds, it is very important to us. This defines basically our conditions now. Before you could say, "Oh, I'm poor," but you didn't really mean it like that. But now, when you say you are poor, it's really gonna strike you now. So if people know how to play, uh, research and they know how to play with their money, then I feel like they're much safer in this stock market game. So yeah. Um, so what, what advice would you give to anyone if, you, if they were buying stocks right now? 
think they're buying stocks right now. Yeah. I mean, if if you're starting a portfolio right now, then I would say keep it as diverse as possible. You want to be as risk averse as possible. Now is not the time to be making huge gains or, you know, hail Mary investments. Now is the time to keep your head down and, and make nor like not normal. I don't, I don't want to say that investment is abnormal, but be <laughs> as um, diversified as you, as is humanly possible, given your capital. Like different you know, I would sectors. Even say venture out of just stocks, invest in other things as well. Um, you know, like, like bonds and such, like, that's not even something that you should be looking away from because those are like not feel, nearly as risky as stocks. I feel like, but if you put your money in like a, C, a certificate of deposit or something like, is it is that what it's called? A bond? No, a CD. Yeah. That, yeah. Yeah. Well, all right, whatever. When right now a CD should, I feel like CD shouldn't be something to invest, be invested in right now because if you break the maturity of the CD, then it's really going to like hurt you more than it did uh, help you out. So that's... Yeah, no, that, that, is, that is true. But what I'm saying is if you're starting, um, my, my general point was that if, if you're going to invest right now, you, you don't want to take too many risks because you don't know where the market's going to go right now. So um, if you're just, a, you know, average Joe, just starting a portfolio right now, for whatever reason, then just play it safe right now until this whole thing blows over. Just play it safe, you know, make the usual trade, invest in the, the big companies that have a history of being able to, that have the resources to get through this and don't try and make, look to make too much money in the short term. Just start, start, start a long-term investment now then, you know, something that you're going to hold on to. For I feel decade. like all, I feel like all investments at this current moment during this pandemic have to be long-term or middle-term at least because short-term right now, nothing is guaranteed at this point. Not yet. Like before, at least something was guaranteed. You might make some money, but right now, if we really look at things, this pandemic can take a turn to the worst right now and it can science can't tell us anything right now other than the fact right, yeah. we don't one even have a vaccine thing to do one interesting thing to do though is going off of what you said with vaccines is look at which companies are working for vaccines right now and let's just say you invested into like all of them if you have the capital to do that all the biotechnology firms in the united states that are um looking to that that are publicly traded that are looking to create a vaccine for the coronavirus right now, and you invest in them. And if you had done that, then you would have made some good money off of Moderna stock, which, as you know, went up by like twenty dollars in a day. Yeah. Uh, because they they came up with the development in their vaccine. Yeah, but I feel like I think the next didn't like some one of the stocks I invested in on like how the market works. I put it for like twenty. Uh, it went up by like what I think thirty dollars in one day and went back down by 40 and i didn't realize that so that kind of bit me <laughs> yeah well actually going off of how the market works i would like to take this moment to talk about an initiative that i've started so if you go to jp stevens high school that is john p stevens high school in edison new jersey this is an opportunity for you you can win up to 50 dollars um i've started an investment competition uh, it starts on june 1st um the exact website is sites.google.com slash edison.k12.nj.us slash jsrsic. That is sites.google.com slash edison.k12.nj.us slash jsrsic. You want me to so link it? Competition, yeah, that would be great. Ah, right, send me the link. I'm going to link it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Oh, um, go on. So th this is an excellent opportunity for you to practice investing skills and just, you know, 
learn about the economy, especially in a time like this, where uh, your main priority should be human health. But if you're confused about the things that are going on in the economical world around you, economic world around you, then this is an opportunity for you to learn a little bit as well. So and get in the competition. It's on Investopedia. Learn about your economy, which is essentially your world in many ways. And who knows, you might win the $50. And uh, going, off, going off the back of that, uh, this game is, it really does teach you about the world right now. And I feel like playing this game is going to leave an effect on you or some, some sort of information in you, right? And I no feel like it is a learning experience. Yeah, and as you grow, educational in nature. yeah, as you grow and as you grow and like you, let's say you explore the business world, this is like a great way to start, of course, because you're learning about stocks from like a very, of course, at a very low scale. But as you, time goes on, you're obviously going to uh, put in real money and real stocks. And this is a great way to understand like how the stock market works as a simulation, of course. So, yeah. yeah, the stock market can work for anyone if you know how to do it. And you can make a streams of passive income that will just help you along and support your regular income. And that's something that people do. And there's other people that literally stay at home and make their entire livelihoods off of the stock market. And I'm not promoting either of those lifestyles. But what I'm saying is that it can work for you. And you should start to learn about the financial world as soon as possible because one way or another it's going to affect you in adulthood yeah so i mean we've hit like a 40 minute mark or something so concluding remarks on anything or no it was it was it was great to be here um yeah tages tapes excellent podcast excellent podcast oh no bro guests like you are kind of are the reason what my why my podcast is like a thing now i guess I have so many more to record now from tomorrow to like the end of the week now. So yeah. it's, it's a great, right, yeah. this so is a great, yeah. And this is like a great time for others to put out content because when you go into college, colleges want to see what you've done in the pandemic. If you just lay around, do nothing, that's not really the greatest looking thing to them. Obviously you, that's just screams you're lazy and they shouldn't take you in, I guess. So that's like one reason why I want to do this. I watch webinars now. <laughs> so, yeah. All right, guys, that was the end of the Tages Tapes. I was joined by Parav Mohanty, a great FBLA man, strives for greatness, wants great things in life, and you guys should too. So that was the end of the podcast. See you guys later.